This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Hello, I'm Katherine Klein. I'm the Vice Dean for Social Impact at Wharton and a professor in the Management Department and delighted to be talking with our guest, Fred Swanaker. Fred Swanaker is a serial entrepreneur and leadership development expert making huge positive social impact in Africa. He founded the African Leadership Academy, the African Leadership Network, and ALU, the African Leadership Universities, and has been named a TED Fellow, a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader, one of the top 10 young power men in Africa by Forbes magazine, and other honors. So, Fred, it's great to have you with us, and thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Great. So let's start, let's start broad. You know, tell us, is, is Africa a good place for business today? I think that Africa is the most exciting place for business in the world today. Um, it has, uh, it offers the second highest rate of return for uh, globally in terms of investments today. But more importantly, you see, I think that um, uh, there are certain long-term trends mm. that are taking place in Africa, which um, provide fantastic opportunities for investors um, and business leaders to actually um, not only have impact uh, and feel good about investing, but actually to really make a lot of money as well. This is, this is not the the uh, image of we are likely to get of Africa on the front page of American newspapers, for example. No, not at all. And I think it's also quite different from uh, the way, for example, Chinese investors are seeing Africa. Oh, okay. You know, and I think the way I, I, um, the way I look at it is that the average American um, business leader never remembers a time when the USA looked like Africa does. Sure. So if you think about, um, you know, it took, the, the U.S. has been fairly developed for the last hundred years, right? So your parents or your grandparents never remembered a time right. when this country looked like Africa. Right. But if you think about how fast China has developed and where China was 30 years ago, for the average Chinese business leader going to Africa, they look around, they're like, oh, this looks like what China was like 30 years ago. Right. So it, for them, they don't think this is a place I come and do charity. Yes. And give um, to people who I need. They think this is a place for me to come and do business. Right. Because I actually get to do what we did in, in China all over again. Right. And I think that this is the, 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 the block that, that most investors in the U.S. have. Right. Is that it's just difficult to go there and imagine that what you see could actually be any different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what, so what you're saying is this is a time for investment in Africa, not charity. Absolutely. Because there's no region in the world that has developed through charity. You know, the only thing that drives prosperity and job creation and brings people um, out of poverty is entrepreneurship, it's business. That's what creates, the, you know, there's not enough right. government spending, there's not enough char- charities, there's not enough aid to, to drive development. It has to come from the ground through entrepreneurship, and, and that's what Africa needs at, the, at this point. So talk to us about the needs in Africa. To, you know, what will it take to build entrepreneurship in Africa and to build the, the employment in Africa, and, and what are you trying to do to, to move the needle on So I believe that for in, in any part of the world, for an entrepreneurial venture to take off, there are three things that need to come together. You need an idea, you need the team that can execute the idea, and you need some capital. Yeah. I think that, for me, is a fundamental of any business idea. In the U.S. and more developed markets, the mix of those three things is that you have plenty of people, you know, 
thousands of people who are educated at top universities every year. Um, you know, there's a long, long, huge, huge stock of human capital that can execute things. There's billions of dollars of capital, trillions of dollars of capital mm -hmm. that's available to invest in things. What is scarce in more developed markets are the ideas, because so much has already been done. Right. You know, about 300 years of development. You go to Africa, the mix of those three things is different. The ideas are plenty. You know, everywhere you look, you pick up a stone, there's another idea. Right? And, it, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist at all, because mm -hmm. you just have to look at what are simple goods and services that are offered elsewhere right. that have not been offered yet in Africa, and you just have to almost copy those. There's no chain of, of retail stores. Oh, maybe I should build supermarkets here. There's no uh, system of consumer credit. Maybe I should be the first to introduce credit cards or other forms of consumer finance. Mm -hmm. there's, there isn't enough education. Maybe I should build a chain of for-profit schools. So it's not complex ideas. Yeah. Plenty of ideas. Increasingly, actually, the capital is available in Africa. It's not necessarily U.S. capital, but there's more and more capital coming mm -hmm. into, into Africa. What is scarce are the people who can execute these ideas. And so what I've devoted my time and my real passion is in creating those people. Right. Developing those people who are going to be the leaders, the entrepreneurs, who are going to not only establish small-scale enterprises, but are going to establish large-scale investable enterprises that are going to create hundreds of thousands of jobs and that are really going to bring Africa out of poverty. So, so that's my passion. Right. And so 10 years ago, you founded the African Leadership Academy. And this was probably your, your first major play. So tell us about that, and then I want to hear about the African Leadership Universities. But what, what is African Leadership Academy? Well, African Leadership Academy, the, the, the philosophy behind this is that if you think about a lot of the world's great entrepreneurs and great leaders, they started young. Yeah. You think about Richard Branson, who was 16 when he started Virgin. Um, Bill Gates was 19 when he started Microsoft. Steve Jobs, same age. Mark Zuckerberg, 17. The founders of Google were 21. So um, this is really very often the, the, the lifeblood of entrepreneurship. It's young people who are not afraid to dream big mm -hmm. and who have the energy to really bring tremendous ideas to life. So throughout Africa, these young people exist. What hasn't existed in the past is that someone to believe in them and to give them a chance. Because you know, I went to business school at Stanford, and... One of the reasons I was curious about going to Stanford is I really wanted to understand what's different about Silicon Valley that mm -hmm. creates all these, you know, tremendous entrepreneurs that change the world. Is there something special about the water that they drink there? Right. You know, what is really unique? And I went there and I realized, you know, there's nothing special about the water or the air in Silicon Valley. The only difference is that venture capitalists, investors take a 17-year-old kid with an idea seriously. Right. And next thing, a Facebook is created. So I thought, what if we could go around Africa and find the same equivalents, the African Mark Zuckerberg at 17, the next African Steve Jobs, or the Bill Gates, or the next um, you know, Nelson Mandela at the age of 17, 18, 19, and then bring them into a special program where you, you develop their, um, their entrepreneurial leadership skills. You give them world-class education. And then you also plug them into a very powerful network because I believe that no matter how good your skills are as a leader or an entrepreneur, if you don't have access to the right mentors, people who can invest in you, who can open doors, introduce you to your first customer, et cetera, you'll never be able to take your potential to the full level. So that's what we started. And, and it's um, a two-year program? It's a two-year program. We identify, uh, we get about three to 4,000 applicants a year from across the continent, 48 different countries. We select the top 100. 
They join this program for two years. We educate them. They get hands-on so, so practice. So to be clear, it's harder to get into ALA than into Wharton or Stanford or Harvard. Or Harvard, yes. Yeah, right. we are, yeah we're, we're admitting about 3% of the applicants. So yeah. this is really the cream of the crop of Africa in terms of, but we're selecting them not because of the financial means they have. Right. Right. We're selecting them because of the potential impact they have, they can have on the continent. So many of them at the age of 16 or 17 have started companies, they've invented products, they've led political movements in their countries and so forth. And we say, okay, if you did all this on your own without anyone investing in you, imagine what we can do if we bring you into this network, invest in you, develop you, educate you, and then plug you into these networks. So um, they leave the academy and then go into top universities around the world. And then they all have a, a contract with us that they must return to Africa by the age of 25 and, and, and serve on the continent for at least 10 years. So this has been, obviously, a, a tremendously <coughs> successful and inspiring model. Um, but you've recently said, okay, that was great, but we need to be looking beyond high school, beyond sending African students out to the best universities around the world. We need to create world-class universities in Africa. So tell us more about that vision and how on earth you and others can pull this off. Yeah, so as you may you know, it's been incredibly fulfilling seeing the African Leadership Academy mm -hmm. come to life. And over the next 50, so far we have 700 young leaders that are under development. And over a 50-year time frame, this is going to create 6,000 leaders that are going to transform Africa. Um, but um, a couple of things have been troubling me. One is that we would get 4,000 applications every year and we could only take 100 students. So I thought, you know, wow, all these people with potential talent that we're leaving on the, on the streets... Um, and I saw so much hunger. I thought, how do we give access to more people? The second thing that troubled me is that after students came to the academy, we would have to send 80% of them to college in the States um, or to Europe. Right. And so I thought, you know, why are we sending all our students outside of Africa? Why don't we have the equivalents of Harvard and Stanford and Wharton and Yale and Princeton in Africa? Right. You know, World-class universities that our students can go to. Um, and um, so... That's what inspired me to start African Leadership University. And the vision we have is to build 25 brand new universities across the continent, uh, each with 10,000 students. So this would have about 250,000 students at a time. And it's, you know, over the next 50 years, this would now allow us to develop 6,000, sorry, 3 million leaders. So this is a continent. huge dream, but you're, so where are you in the process? You've, you've, you're, you're starting with the first university? We're opening the first campus um, in the next few months. Um, and uh, we're starting with about 200 students, um, and uh, we're planning to start on the island of Mauritius. And then um, after that, we're looking to open in other countries around the continent. And, um, you know, this is a, it's a big dream, and so we're not expecting it's going to happen overnight. Right. We, you know, I, I think in terms of decades when I, th when I look at my projects. So because I, I really believe that Africa's development is a 50- to 100-year project, and we have to think that long term and put the foundation in place that's actually going to develop it once and for all. And so, you know, this is a 20, it's going to take us 15, 20, 25 years to roll out these universities. But what matters to us is the quality, uh, and we're going to take our time and do it right um, to make sure that we can really use this as an engine for driving and Africa's transformation. So what, will these, what will these universities look like? I mean, we're looking at universities around the United States and around the world that are hundreds and hundreds of years old. You know, the, people will comment on universities that we are some of the most traditional institutions and yes. organizations, some of the oldest organizations in the world. We don't change easily. Yes, exactly. Uh, so uh, are you asking, well, you're not really asking us to change. You're asking for a new model of a university in Africa. Yes, exactly. See, I think one of the best things about Africa is the fact that we don't have any legacy. Mm. There's so many things that we can do 
um, where we can actually create not just copy a model that is not perfect, but really create a new and improved model. Um, and you know, one of the things we don't have in Africa are faculty who are on tenure who will tell us that we can't do things differently. We don't have professors, or we don't have alumni who are going to say, well, that's different from the way I went to school. We don't have donors who are going to put pressure on us. You know, so that allows us to say we have a clean slate. Let's imagine if you were to build a university from scratch for the 21st century, because as you mentioned, you know, most universities in the U.S. were built, especially the best ones, 300 years ago. Right. The world has changed tremendously during that time, but a lot of what happens at these universities had not changed during that time. You know, so there are many things that we're doing um, to completely reinvent the university. For example, um, we looked at the length of the degree. Mm -hmm. The typical U.S. college, to go to one of the top universities today, you're spending about $60,000 a year, so $240,000 investment for a four-year degree. But when we actually analyze the amount of time that students are spending in class every year, you find that um, students typically get five to six months of vacation every year. So today you might pay $240,000 to go to an Ivy League university, and you get 2.3 years of education. Right. That for us is a travesty, you know, and we definitely can't afford to do that in Africa. So in our model, it's a three-year degree. And during those three years, you'll spend eight months on campus every year and four months with an employer. So you graduate with actually more education in the three years than a four-year degree and with one-year work experience under your belt already, which also makes you much more attractive to and employers. And so what is, you know, so we're hearing a lot, obviously, about MOOCs, massive online open courses, about the, the potential for technology to, to uh, revolutionize education. Uh, universities in the United States are you know, trying to figure f figure out this new world and how do we integrate technology? Do we integrate technology? What is the threat to us? You're not talking about just online education. No, you see, I've been, you know, as has been shown with, uh, there was a lot of excitements that came out about MOOCs. Right. Um, but what became clear is that that's not the, it's not a silver bullet solution because the completion rates are very low. Typically less than 10% of people who start MOOCs actually finish. Right. So, um, and from our, from the beginning, you know, we've never thought that that was a, that was a, the answer because mm -hmm. the best learning is social. You still need human intervention and so forth. So what we're doing with our universities um, that these are fully residential campuses, right? There's no option to be a day student. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're doing is we are leveraging the power of MOOCs and other technologies to actually say, you know, let's break the monopoly on knowledge that any given university might have. So. Um, you know, today, if you go to a university, they'll force you to take all the content, the curriculum from that university, sure. whether that's good or bad. And we're saying, you know what, let's actually look around the world and curate the world's best curriculum. Let's right. pick the best from this university and that university and that university and bring it together in one place. Let's pick the best from industry. Let's mm -hmm. look at what other research is being done, bring it together in one place using technology. And then let's also leverage the, the, the power of peer learning, mm -hmm. right? Because what we don't have in Africa are professors with PhDs. What we do have are lots of brilliant students. Right. So let's use that abundant resource. And so students will learn by themselves using all this, this, this free knowledge that's out there. Mm -hmm. They'll learn from each other and teach each other. Mm -hmm. And studies have shown that when you have to teach something to someone else, you learn it much better. And then finally, we will still have faculty on the ground. But the faculty are um, one of three types of people. They are recent college graduates, they're mid-career professionals, or they're retired executives. And we're selecting them not because they're good at research, but because they're really good at teaching and they're mm -hmm. good at, and they're passionate about teaching, which is one of the things I think that's broken with the university model as well. They're fantastic for producing research and knowledge sure. for publication, but it's not always the best un experience for undergraduates right. because many professors 
This, could, this could be a very significant disruptive innovation. That you're, yeah. yeah. Many yeah, professors right. do not enjoy teaching, and they haven't been hired because they're good at teaching. They've been hired and are rewarded for their research. So we're saying let's decouple the two. Right. Get the world's best research from different places and find the world's best teachers and train them to be, to be teachers. And then also um, support these, these faculty with, with a very sophisticated analytical platform that allows them to understand what the students are learning and what they're struggling with so that they can use it to tailor, tailor their lessons better and also to make sure that no student gets left behind. Mm -hmm. Because today, sometimes the professor only knows you're struggling at the end of term when they turn sure. in the paper and you get a D. In this model, because of the analytics, you can pick up where the student's struggling by Wednesday of the week and call them into your office. Mm -hmm. And so that way, no one can hide. Right. So what's been the response so far to, your, to this, this model and this, this idea that you have? Well, the response in Africa has been tremendous. I mean, the, the, the need is so great. Mm -hmm. right? um, in Africa, graduates about 45 million students a year from high schools. And the universities can only absorb 4.5 million of them. Wow. So to catch up, you know, the tertiary enrollment rate in Africa, which is the percentage of students who are of tertiary going age that are actually enrolled mm -hmm. in tertiary institutions, is 8%. Wow. In uh, India, it's 18%. In the West, it's about 70%. So just to catch up to India's level, not even to try to make it to the West, we would need to build, we've calculated, because of the rate at which Africa's population is growing, it's the fastest rate in the world, and the youth of our population, we would need to build 135 universities the size of Harvard every single year for the next 15 years wow. just to catch up to India. And so... So there's demand for there's what you have to offer. There's tremendous demand. And so when we've, you know, we've opened our um, applications for the first class, and within 60 days we had 5,000 applications. Uh, for just 200 slots. Wow. So, um, you know, the reception from the students has been tremendous. And you'll have, so you know um, you have an amazing population of students to work with. To pick from, exactly. Yeah. And you, and, and part of the training is a lot of internship experience for these students as well. So the, the goal is that they are getting great education, partly through peers, and they're getting trained for, for business. Well, they're tra getting tra trained for, in terms of, uh, not just for business, because I hope that half of them will come entrepreneurs on their own. Great, right? right. So, um, we're, but what we're trying to do with the internships is to give them skills, mm -hmm. right? Because we believe that, and this is another thing that I think the university model is broken. Many universities focus only on giving you theory and content mm -hmm. and, and, and hope that the skills that employers want rubs off you by accident. And we're saying, actually, the real thing that you should be getting out of university are skills. And um, make it much more explicit about that. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, the world has changed so fast that the actual knowledge becomes obsolete. Right. So, you know, if you started doing uh, marketing seven years ago, true. you'd be talking about marketing on billboards and TV right. and radio. By the time you graduate, the world has changed to digital marketing. Right. right. You started doing computer science six years ago. You'd be learning about how to code for the computer, a PC, a laptop. By the time you graduate, the world has moved to mobile. So you want to tablet. teach people how to think. Right. Teach people how to think critically, how to communicate, how to collaborate, how to lead yourself, how to lead others. Those are the skills that will endure with you as the world changes. And so that's what we, we, we embed in them during their formal time on campus. And then every year, as I mentioned, you're spending four months with an employer actually practicing those skills and learning about the industry. And by the time you graduate after three years, you're ready, you have these skills, mm -hmm. you have this work experience. And so... There should be no reason why an employer isn't clamoring to hire you right. or that you aren't equipped yourself to start your own business, right. which I think we need to do a lot of in Africa because then that's why entrepreneurship training is such a key part of our... So, I, well, so to, to wrap up, we've, I've heard you speak about entrepreneurship and, and the, the opportunities for entrepreneurship and the need for entrepreneurship in Africa and the need to 
deliver the kinds of products that you see in the United States and elsewhere for much at, at a much at a cheaper price, a much yeah. lower price. Yeah. And um, so this is really what you're trying to do with ALU, yeah? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that the business models, you can't go to Africa with the same business model. There's a lot of money to be made in Africa. There's a lot of impact you can have in Africa. But you can't go there with just the same business model elsewhere. You need to think completely radically and, and redesign the, the model and say, you know, there are consumers there who have needs. They have uh, some, you know, financial means. How do you design a solution to um, serve that? And very often involves leveraging technology, like what we're doing with the African Leadership University. Mm -hmm. But similarly, entrepreneurs need to think about how do I do this to provide low-cost housing? Right. How do I do this to provide low-cost healthcare? How do I do this to provide low-cost, you know, consumer goods? There's so many needs that, you know, we have a billion consumers that's growing at the fastest rate in the world they're going to be the population of two billion by you know in, in, in the next 30 years so that is a massive massive market right uh, and uh, you know we have Africans are having fewer and fewer children therefore the dependency ratio is going down so Africans uh, have more money to spend right and so there's a tremendous opportunity I think that the, this is really um, where especially with aging population in the West where there's increasing demands on pension funds and so forth to get returns. The, the, one of the places that's going to solve this is investing in Africa. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for being with us. It's really inspiring and, uh, I mean, really so exciting. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.